John, do you want to tell us, for those who haven't met you yet, just a bit about yourself, family, sure. um, yeah, what your role is? Yep. So, um, John Bearden, I'm based in Deerham, uh, not too far from here, of course. Um, moved to Deerham in 2001 to plant the church together with uh, Nikki, <coughs> my wife. I've uh, been there ever since, obviously. And we have four children, and um, I'm still part of the eldership team that was established in Deerham. But I have a particular, well, I have lots of roles, but anyway, for, t- for the sake of today, um, I have a particular role bringing some leadership to the churches that are kind of in this part of the UK, which are connected to the relational mission family. So um, primarily in Norfolk and North Suffolk, but in our, what we call our relational mission community, it also includes a number of churches in some other nations as well, such as France and Serbia, Czech Republic and Nepal. So um, not all quite sort of easy next door neighbours to go to in the car, but, but seeking to uh, foster genuine friendship and relationship between uh, leaders and churches together, working together for the sake of mission, doing more together than we can apart, particularly expressing that in times through the year when we come together to pray. And so I just want to encourage you, if you possibly can, to get involved in the next prayers of many. Either <clears throat> come in the car to, to uh, Norwich, whether it's being held next this, later on this... No, not in June yet, are we nearly? Okay, 30 for June. Um, or <clears throat> if getting in, out in the evening is tricky, then uh, there's a Zoom-based option as well. I just encourage you to come and pray for what God is doing amongst all of us together. Lovely. And do you want to tell us a bit about what you've been up to this week? Yeah, I've had a, um, I've had a very um, exciting and quite tiring week, actually. Um, I've been in Poland at something called the European Leadership Forum, which sounds quite grand. Um, it is a... A conference that pulls together Christian leaders from right across the, the continent of Europe well, and the UK as well. They let us come. Um, and somewhat ironically, also people from Africa and Asia and America and pretty much everywhere else. But the, the focus of it is, is um, uh, partnering together for mission to mainland Europe. Its roots lie in the Lausanne movement, if you um, have any familiarity with that. It it's quite conservative in its approach, um, sort of what you call very charismatic, cautious, or even a bit more cautious than that. However, for a number of years, the organisers have been inviting... Well, they invited Terry Virgo, and he's, he's obviously getting on a bit. So he went once, but he said, could I introduce you to someone called Mike Betts? And so Mike Betts has been uh, going for a number of years, but more recently we've been going together, um, uh, taking a team. So there were about 12 of us. We had uh, leaders from the Netherlands, from the UK, from, from uh, uh, Sweden. And we were, we were together and we were running something called a network, which is a bit like a, a sort of seminar stream, if you've got the idea. But it's quite, it's quite substantial in that roughly half of each day the delegates who've chosen to come to our network were with us. So we, um, we had a re- really a lot of time to build relationship with them, share with them. And I guess very commonly what you hear on the mainland of Europe is people who are lonely, people who are isolated, people who are trapped in organisations that are, well, organisational. And so we were trying to just share with them some very, very basic things about doing this as friends and family and insights that God's given us. 
But I'll just mention one, one person that was on our network, a guy called Richard um, from Uganda, someone actually that we've got to know through this conference, but through a year-round program, um, online program, which he'd opted into, and he, we got to know him through that, a really, really remarkable young leader. Um, his story that is that he was found in a rubbish bin as a baby, taken to the orphanage, raised in a Christian orphanage, uh, came to know the Lord, uh, amazingly, powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit as a, a young man, and he has since then been planting churches and doing all sorts of amazing things. And so it was a real joy and privilege to have him on our network as well and really get to know him a bit more. And I, I share it particularly with you because I know that, that James has, got, has had some history with Uganda as well. So when I mentioned it to him um, a few weeks ago that we were getting to know this guy, he was really interested. So, yeah, there you go. A great week we've had, but tiring. Yeah, another re- reason for heart to be bursting. But, um, and we've, <laughs> we've already got quite a significant connection in East Africa, haven't we, with Morningstar out in Nakuru in Kenya. Mm. Um, so that was exciting to hear of. John, mm. we're looking forward to hearing great. what you let's, let's pray together. Lord... Lord, we love your word. We're so grateful to you, Lord, that, uh, Lord, we're not just left with our feelings, but we've got this rock, the, the, the word of God that testifies from beginning to end about the wonders of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we're so glad that we can turn to it again together now. We're, we're asking for all your help as we look at this uh, matter together from your word, that you'd speak to us, strengthen us, do us good, encourage us, uh, bless us in all kinds of ways. Lord, speak to different ones just as you want to. Have your way with us. And I ask that in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I want to uh, talk to you today about a incredibly familiar Christian word, but one that I don't know that we actually talk about very much at all, and the word is blessing. What does the word bless? Oh, it's okay to pop those slides up, is that all right? Hopefully these will help you a little bit with some of the Bible references, so... While it's coming up, hopefully we'll move on to slide two. So what does, the next one, if that's okay, please. What does the word, what does the word blessing actually mean? Is it okay to have the next slide? Is that all right? So the word blessing, it's a word that's found in the Old Testament. It's a word that's found in the New Testament. And, um, well, there's lots to say about it, and I'm probably going to say lots, but uh, at, at the heart of it, this word means to speak favorably, to speak, to speak favor, to speak, to speak well, or the other way that it's used is to ascribe favor to someone else, to say you are blessed. So it, it's either to say be blessed, or it's to say you are blessed. And the, the crucial thing that I want you to note about it in the Bible is that when this word is used, it is always used in a relational context. So could we put the next slide up if that's right? I've got a quote to read to you. Um, so there's an article that this guy Matt Champlin has written on the subject. He says this, To be blessed is to be one of God's own people 
with all the benefits that brings. In other words, the blessing of God is his relational presence in one's life. Uh, Next slide, please. So the, the creation itself is blessed. Why? Because God in his very nature is blessed. When we think about the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are, the Godhead is, is, is a fountainhead that radiates and overflows. And one of the ways that the, the very nature attributes the character of God overflows is with blessing. Why? Because God is blessed. Blessing, then, is a radiation from God. It's an overflow from God. And it's a strong theme. There isn't time to do this justice today. But it's a theme that runs through the tapestry of God's story from Genesis to Revelation. And the more you look for it, the more you'll find it, and the more amazed that you will be. If we could have the next slide, please. So there's um, a few verses that I'm going to start looking at from Genesis So Genesis chapter 1 and verse 22, it says this. So this is after God had made the living creatures. It says, and God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And I want to just highlight to you at the very start that when blessing occurs in the Bible... It's like tied up with multiplication. So God creates as an overflow of his blessed nature. And remember that blessing is to speak favorably. So what does God do? You know, let there be, and there was. He speaks and the creation comes. What does he do now he's created? He speaks again. Blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Blessing pours forth from God. And what this kind of favorableness It's literally expressed in a multiply, increase, more and more, be abundant. So it's literally hardwired into creation is multiplication. I mean, when did you last have to tell the dandelions to multiply in your garden? You you, you just don't have to tell the creation to multiply. It's literally been spoken into it. Not only did God create as an overflow of his blessedness. But he put into the creation the blessing that commands multiplication. God said multiply. It was a command. God said multiply. It was a prophetic declaration. God said multiply, and he has been watching over his word ever since to make sure that it should come to pass. This is really at the root of everything I want to say today. Kind of everything that flows out from here, this is typical. Genesis chapter 1 is foundational for everything else. The whole of the rest of the story of God could be understood as the, this outworking of this principle. It's not the only way to tell God's story, but it's a very good way to do it, because you'll see if you look over and over and over again it occurs now what happens in verse 28 let's go there it says so now God has made um, humanity and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and so it goes on now what's interesting this time is that similar language is used 
compared to verse 22. But there's a, a subtle expansion in verse 28. It says that God spoke to them. It's a tiny word, to. But in the, in the original language, it's, it's indicating something even more emphatic about the relationship between God and man and woman. You know, he's told the whole creation, you know, multiply, all of you dandelions, get on with it. But then when it comes to Adam and Eve, it's almost like he's turning his face even more directly and saying, and you guys, you, my word over you is blessing. Multiply. There's something even more relational about it that I just want to highlight that strongly to you. Not really time to get into it, but in chapter 2, verse 3, God then, the next thing that he blesses is the Sabbath, the day of rest. And again, what, you know, what, what's that all about? <coughs> well, one way of looking at that is that in order for healthy multiplication to occur, there is the necessity also of rest. You're not going to multiply if rest is not built into what you're about. And again, the, the, this day, it's a, it's a gift from the Lord of rest for, for his creation in order that they might enjoy his blessing but also be able to multiply. Then we come to chapter 3 in Genesis. And of course, we know the tragic story. We know what happened next. We know of the, the disruption that sin brings. Sin introduces the opposite of blessing. It introduces a curse because blessing and cursing, you can see that if blessing is speaking a favourable word, cursing is speaking the opposite, isn't it? It's a word that will reduce, that will harm, that will damage, that will, that will bring down, that will reduce. There's a, there's a, they're in opposition of one another. And the sin that Adam and Eve commit introduces a cursedness into their relationship with God. Whereas blessing comes from relationship with God, sin breaks that relationship. So whereas they were enjoying the favorableness of God that would enable them to multiply, now they no longer enjoy that. Multiplication is going to become hard work. It's going to be hard for the guy to do his work. It's going to be hard to do what needs to be done to kind of like provide for himself, to provide for the woman, to raise the family. It wasn't going to be easy. Multiplication was going to be easy. Now it's going to be hard because of sin. And the woman is going to suffer terribly in that work of multiplication. The blessing of multiplication, the command is still there, but there is now a cursedness that's been introduced that sin has brought. We move on a little bit further in the story, <coughs> excuse me, to chapter 9, the story of Noah. And in chapter 9, verse 1, so this is after they have been through the experience of the flood, and they come out the other side. Listen to this. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. There you go, it's repeated again. The, the original command of this blessing that commands multiplication is, is, is reissued. And um, also in uh, verse 7, And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. What is the response now that Noah has, having received this relational command 
this relational blessing that commands multiplication. As we go later on into the chapter in verse 26, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, let him dwell in the tents of Shem, let Canaan be his servant. So the response now of Noah is to bless God. Now he is speaking favorably of God. It it is, uh, using this word ascribe, he's saying, God, you are blessed. When we say Oh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. It's not like we can make more God more blessed than he is. What we are doing is we are exclaiming, God, you are so blessed. You are the blessed one. You are the source of all blessing. So, th- so this, this word goes in two directions. We speak blessing, or God speaks blessing over us. We can speak blessing over others. We, we, in, the, in the power of God, with the power of words, we speak multiplication, we speak life over one another. And God in particular speaks of his creation. And then when we respond to God, we're kind of mirroring it back to him. The blessing comes from him. We're saying, God, how blessed you are. It's, it's It's worship. It's tied up with worship, obviously. In um, Luke 19, 40. Let's just uh, turn there. Luke 19, verse 40. It's the story of the triumphal entry. And uh, the uh, the Pharisees are telling Jesus to rebuke his disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. It is the instinct of the blessed to worship and say, bless the Lord. It's the absolutely right response of us. I think we're, yeah, we're moving on now to, uh, to chapter 12 in Genesis. Incredibly significant verses in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3 that we read. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So... The, the theologians argue about whether or not God made a covenant with Adam when he blessed him. They definitely think he made a covenant with Noah when he said he was never going to send another flood on the earth as long or until the world uh, comes to its final end. Here we have the next covenant that God makes with Abraham, who will in due course gain the name Abraham, of, uh, as we know. And uh, God blesses him, and you can see that contained within this blessing of Abraham is, once again, the blessing that commands multiplication. Abraham's going to go from having no children to having, like, many. (laughs) There's going to be a nation. He's going to have a great name. There's sort of this abundance that is coming his way. That is what is is promised over him. And what what is the response that he needs to have from this? As we go on, <coughs> excuse me, go on a little bit further, we know that um, Abraham, he believed what God said. 
This was absolutely critical. And you, you, if you want to read it, you can find it in chapter 15, verse 6. He believed what God said. When God made this promise over him, he believed. And in chapter 15, verse 4, we see that he obeyed. He had faith and he had works. He was obedient to what God said. He believed what God said. This is the pattern for us. You know, there is a command that comes... We'll just stay with this slide for the time being, if that's okay. There is a command that rests on us that we are blessed and we are to multiply. What are we going to do with that? How are we going to respond to that? Abraham is our pattern. We're to believe it. We're to believe that there is a blessing that God has put on us and that blessing will lead to multiplication. But there is also a response. And again, you'll know as we go through the story of Scripture that there is a command, not just in the Old Testament, especially it becomes even clearer in the New Testament. There is a command on us. We're blessed with salvation, but we are to multiply. Did you notice that Abraham got that two-letter word, go? And surely that rings some bells for us much later on in the story. Go and make disciples of all the nations. I'm jumping ahead in my notes here. But it's important for us to see that there is this basic pattern. You know, what does God want you to do today? He wants you to do two things. He wants you to believe his word. He wants you to believe that it is actually his plan and his purpose to bless you individually and you as a church. And it's his plan and purpose to multiply you. And he wants you then to take action on the basis of it. You do the work by faith. He will then bring about the blessing. That is what, uh, what um, Abraham did. It's interesting that connected to this blessing that commands multiplication is also a name, verse 3. Did you notice that? Abraham. And as we go on a bit further in the story in chapter 17, verses 5 to 8, his name gets expanded. Abraham is not a big enough name to handle the vision that God has got for him. The blessing can't be contained within Abraham. It has to become Abraham because the blessing is so big. He hasn't even had his first child at this point. But the blessing that God is promising, it's like it's bursting, it's it's stretching and enlarging. His very name has to change. And we find, um, uh, jumping ahead into the New Testament, that there's something of the name, something of the reputation of God's people, which also is great. So Acts chapter 5, I'm sorry I'm jumping around so much today, but I'm trying to sort of trace this theme a little bit. Acts 5 and verse 13 and 14. None of, this is um, in the, the, the early church in, in Jerusalem, none of the rest dared join them. So people were afraid of the early church. But the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. It's a kind of crazy story. Everyone was too afraid to go near them, and yet somehow their numbers were increasing. (laughs) Uh, You you get the sense of it. It's a sort of mixed, but there's a name. They're the people of God. Look, surely God is amongst them. Look, wow. And guess what happens? They get a great name, and they multiply in number. It's the promise to Abraham 
just working itself out in the gospel. A great name in Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, the believers are first called Christians, little Christs. Wow, now that's a name. Wow, we're the little anointed ones, the little Christs, the little messiahs. Wow, what a name. I mean, Abraham had an exalted name, but we get to take the name of Jesus. We become the body of Christ, the people of God. That's our name. Wow, what a name. Isaiah 61, verse 3. So this is the um, Spirit of the Lord is upon me, verse 1, to grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Oaks of righteousness. What a name standing strong for the righteousness of God. So Abraham, don't jump ahead, we're still here. (laughs) No, you can go to the next slide now. Sorry, I'm teasing you, aren't I? So as as, as well as the name, as well as the promise, within those verses of Genesis 12, the nations, all the families of the earth, all the families of the nations are going to be blessed through you. And um, the promise of expansion occurs repeatedly in the Old Testament. Here are some verses from Isaiah. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring. There's that word, offspring. That's the... That's what Abraham was promised. Offspring, your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Wow, that's the command, the blessing that commands multiplication. You know, it's a promise, but it's also a command. Enlarge, be stretched out, don't hold back, lengthen, strengthen. What a promise. For all God's people. And that definitely includes you guys here as well. What a promise. So the rest of the scriptures from Genesis 12 onwards then is the unfolding of this blessing that commands multiplication. In the nation of Israel, (coughs) we see the people that were purposed to be this blessing and bring it to the nations. But we know the story. They were unable to be faithful to that. But God's promise didn't fail. And the prophets saw a day of blessing which yet lay ahead. They saw a a time coming when the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. That Genesis 1, fill the whole planet with it. Fill the whole planet with it. The prophets can see it. What's it going to look like, this blessing of multiplication? It's going to look like all the nations seeing the glory of God. How is that going to happen? Well, it takes us into the New Testament, the New Covenant, to understand, so we'll move on to the next slide, if that's okay. 
So <coughs> I'm going to go through these points um, fairly quickly. But in the New Covenant, we find even more clearly that actually the blessing is relational. God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the blessing. And so there's a few verses here that you can look up if you want to. But you can see how the Father, he's the blessed one. um, Whereas in the Old Testament, this was the creator God, Jesus now says, when you pray, say, our Father. Wow. The blessing of the Father. Knowing the Father. Something that in the Old Testament was hazy, now becomes clear. It's the prayer for every one of us. This isn't just for, the, for King David who's allowed to be the Son of God, but the rest of us not. No, now we are all, it, because of what Jesus has done, we're able to know the Father and call him my Father. We can pray to him as Father. That is uh, the blessing that God has made possible to us. Jesus has made a way for us to know the Father. Um, you can look at the verses in Acts 3, and again, it's, it's clear there that, that, that one way of understanding the blessing that was promised to Abraham is the fulfilling of it by Jesus coming. How are, how, how are all the nations, how are all the, the families of the nations going to get blessed? How is it going to work out? What does it look like? Not sure, not sure. Oh, here it is. It's all wrapped up. You open it up. What do you find? It's Jesus. It's the Sunday school answer. Everything's Jesus. It's all about him, of course. But if you, if, you know, the blessing is Jesus. The promise to Abraham is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. He is now our Lord. He's our brother. We are one. We're in Christ. The blessing is intensely relational for every one of us. We are in Christ. And in, um, in Galatians, Paul picks up on the imagery. And it's, again, it's one way of understanding what, it, what God has done is to understand that the Spirit, the receiving of the Spirit is the fulfillment of the promise. How do you know God as Father? How are you made one with Christ? It's through the Spirit. So the promise of Abraham contained within it the Godhead, <coughs> Father, Son, <coughs> excuse me, and Holy Spirit. Next slide, if that's okay. And uh, this isn't the, the main thing to get into today, but it's just important to note that Paul uh, goes into some detail in Romans chapter 4 and also in Galatians, and he makes it really clear that Abraham received this promise for him and for his descendants, but the descendants are not defined primarily by their biology. They are defined primarily by being of the same type as Abraham. What type? The type that believes him. And that's the point that Paul makes in Romans and Galatians. And and the mystery of the gospel is that this is for all human beings in all the earth, for all the nations. Oh, that's why he said he was going to bless all the families of the nations. Oh, okay, so we, 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 we can all be recipients of the blessing by being like Abraham, by hearing the promise, by hearing about the blessing, and by believing him. And as we, as we believe him, this is the blessing that commands multiplication. And so he will oversee it to make sure it happens, but we are then those that put our faith into action. As James would say, show me your faith without works. It's dead. 
It's not true faith. We, the faith, the believing in the promise is outworked by the fact that we now begin to multiply. We multiply by doing the things that he's told us to do. And he watches over to make sure that that multiplication is fruitful. If we can move on to the, the next one, please. Next slide. So, in Ephesians 1 verse 3, if, if, you've, if you had a chance to look at it a minute ago, it's, it's great because it, it describes the Father as being blessed and then it says he's blessed us. <laughs> there you got it in both. Oh, he's the blessed one. He's blessed us. So the church has received the blessing of the Father and the work of salvation kind of like is the outworking of that blessing for us. And a few things that, uh, that are noteworthy, in, in, back into Romans 4 again, one key aspect of the blessing is that we are forgiven. We receive the blessing of forgiveness. So that's the blessing for all the nations that was promised to Abraham. It was that we can be forgiven. And in just a few minutes, we, I'm getting towards the end. In a few minutes, I'm going to pray for anyone here today that wants to receive that blessing of forgiveness for the first time. As we are forgiven, that is the way that God brings us back into relationship with him and we can call him Father. So if you want that, if what you're hearing today sounds really good news, and it is, then I'm going to give you the opportunity to take hold of it very simply by believing and by praying a prayer in obedience to that the next thing that I want to, uh, to note from this is that the blessing is a blessing for all the nations. And of course, we could spend a, a whole morning looking at this in detail. But I just want to underline to you that as Paul kind of digs into this in Ephesians, he explains that this blessing of all nations brings about like a new creation. And one of the hallmarks of the new creation is its unity. People from all the nations that were formerly divided off from one another, when they put their faith in Christ, they become something new, a new creation. Paul uses this language, Ephesians 2 verse 15, that as one, we become one new man, one new humanity as some people have described it, one new man in Christ. Formerly we were here, we were there, Norfolk, Suffolk, the different nations, the different groups divided off from one another. But in Christ, there is this profound unity that is, is brought about. Next slide, please, if that's okay. And there's this is a beautiful Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious, that should say oil, the precious oil on the head <laughs> running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Do you see the connection then between blessing and the command of God and the outworking of that in unity? And friends, that, that, it works out in many ways. I mean, most importantly, it works out in the local church. As the people who've received the blessing of God, our relationships with one another are of fundamental importance. And we could spend a a sermon series looking at all of that. But God also unites us together. 
And one, one way that we express that that's really meaningful for us is by being part of a wider family, the relational mission family of churches. We've got churches in many nations, speaking many different languages, but working together in obedience to this call to multiply in all the nations. And there's, there's so much to this in terms of, of working it out locally, but also having our eyes lifted up to see ourselves as being part of something bigger. And I do, as James said at the start, I do just want to throw out the invitation to you to consider coming along to our conference in October, which is called The Call. So at The Call, we're going to be exploring what it means for God to have called us individually and corporately as churches and corporately as a family of churches to serve him. It will be very relevant and strengthening for you in the work that you're doing here but simultaneously it will open your eyes to see what the blessing that God is working out in many, many nations. There will be people coming in giving reports of what's going on in the Middle East and in Europe, other places besides. You will find yourself being caught up in this kind of global thing that God promised to Abraham in meaningful relationship. It's just down the road in Ipswich. It's primarily aimed at all kinds of leaders But I'll let you into a secret. If you just book in, you can just come. You don't need to have some official title to be able to come. It's for all kinds of... If if you are serving in the church, it will do you good to be there. So I encourage you to really seriously think about coming along and um, being a part of it. Let um, Let me finish by praying now. I said a few moments ago that if you wanted to, you could simply receive the blessing of forgiveness and coming to know God for yourself. And I, I, don't, I know some of your faces, but I don't know everyone in the room. There could just be one person or, or, or two today that want to receive that blessing of forgiveness. So I'm going to pray for you in case that's you. If that's you and you want this, pray with me in your heart. Lord, I've heard about how it's possible to know God today. I've heard what a blessed thing that is. I've heard that I can be forgiven, that I can know God as my Father. I can be a part of what you're doing in all the earth. Lord, you want me to turn away from my old way. You want me to stop going my own way. And you want me to start going your way. Lord, I'm so sorry for the things of the past. So I ask you to bless me with the blessing of forgiveness for all my wrongdoing, all my sin. And I ask you to give me new life. All because of Jesus. Amen. Can I ask you all to stand with me? I want to pray for all of you. Perhaps the worship team come up as well. I know I've overrun the time. Sorry about that. It was inevitable, I'm afraid. But I just want to pray for all of you because one of the things we saw today is that one aspect of the blessing of God is the Holy Spirit with us, his presence. So I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to come on you with power today. You know, God's given us a command. He's given us the resources. We're to multiply, but he's given us the energy, the life, the power of the Spirit to do it. So let me pray for you and then perhaps we'll sing together. Lord, thank you that you've not told us to do something and left us to get on with it on our own. 
Lord, you said, surely I'm with you to the end of the ages. You said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. You've told us we don't have to worry about what to say because you'd give us the words. You've promised us that when the Holy Spirit comes on us, we'll be your witnesses in the local and the regional and the national and the international. That's what you said, Lord. Acts 1.8, you promised it to us. So now I'm asking, Lord, on the basis of your promises, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to come and fill my brothers and sisters, full to overflowing. So, Lord, the blessing that commands multiplication will be activated fruitfully in each individual, in each household, in this local church, in their unity together. And I pray, Lord, that the blessing that you'll put within them will be uncontainable. Uncontainable. Let it overflow like that river has to keep on flowing that is behind me. Lord, let it overflow too much. It's, this is too big a thing just for Beckles. It's too much for Beckles to contain this. This is even to the nations. Lift up your eyes and see what God is doing in all the earth. And hear his voice calling you to be a part of it. And in your heart respond, I'm in. I'm in, Lord. Here am I, send me. I'm in, Lord. I'm, I'm in with what you are doing all the earth. It's too small a thing just to do something great in Beckles. It's too small a thing. You've got a big plan and a big vision. So Holy Spirit, come on my brothers and sisters. Strengthen them beautifully. Encourage them. Give them joy, Lord. Lord, let this blessing we've heard about today, it's such a beautiful word, this favour from God that causes growth and life and abundance. Lord, let it rest on them in the name of Jesus. Amen.